0: It's uh, Monday, the second of July, uh, seven PM. This is the audio podcast episode number sixty-two. Yanchi, I'm Scott Hewitt. As always, I'm joined by Samuel Freeman. Hello, and um, I am Adam Yanch. Hello, and Adam Yanch will be uh, familiar to most of our long-time listeners, but he's here in a slightly different guise. As this is Adam Yanch, the interview. nice so let's uh let, let's get straight into it um Adam uh, why are we interviewing you um well I believe you're uh, interviewing me um, basically
1: for something i've released in the last few days
0: that's yeah that's true so uh this past weekend uh, the futures eP which we discussed and its uh, declined Situation has actually been accepted and is now live on the app store so do you want to tell us a little bit about it? What is the futures dp ah well futures dp is a uh, is a special release
1: um, as far as record media are concerned it 's what I call an open outcome record and it 's what i 've been doing my research on at the University of huddersfield and i 've just finished and kind of hopefully it 's all done now um, so the kind of end result of that was this uh, two track EP, um, which the main idea is that every time you play uh, one of the tracks, it will play back differently each time. Um, And that's a fundamental part of the open outcome record idea. Um, So yeah, that's kind of a, a broad kind of explanation of what the open outcome record is and what Futures EP is.
0: So this is an app that just plays back tracks that you've written, but the tracks are always played back differently every time.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, so to go into a slightly more te- uh, I think everyone should be able to understand it. It's a very simple concept for audio heads. Basically, each track has got like a bass track as in B-A-S-E, Um, like a a backing track and there are certain parts of the songs which aren't in the backing track and have multiple takes they were recorded in multiple takes and then I've comped them down so there are an eight or four or however many takes I've decided to put in there and then when you press play in the app the, um, the the software decides at runtime, which one to play. And it's actually just mainly random decision. So in, in that section, say it's chorus one, it'll say, oh, OK. I need a, I need a vocal part. Uh, let's choose vocal part three of the eight available, and we'll play that. And it basically goes through each track, and it goes through um, kind of working in that way. The first track is very simple. It's just the vocals that change. Um, and there's a very small amount of difference between each playback. I call that the... um, I can't remember what I call it, actually. Uh, Anyway, so there's a small amount of difference um, in the first track. In the second track, the vocals and bass guitar change, um, and there are a couple of other parts that change there, too. And the differences between each playback are, are wider. It's called variance width. That's what it's called. So it has a wider variance width. It's it's still quite subtle, I think. You you could take it a lot further. You'd have to download it and have a Um And then I've kind of worked this idea of the record that plays back differently into the themes of the songs, which is something I like to do. I'm I'm quite a conceptual, um, thematic kind of writer when I write. Uh, lyrics for a song. So the first one is about uh, cassette tape media, and the second one is about the future. And that's why it's called Future EP, basically.
2: So I've had a listen to this a um, couple of times today, and it's not just, it's actually different lyrics as well, isn't it? It's not just different takes of the same vocal. It's actually, it actually seems to be different, whole different verses in part, especially in the narration
1: yes um in the first track that doesn't happen there's one place in the first track that happens and that's a very small change in a in a very specific section uh, i actually put the, the the changing lyrics i actually put in specifically in the second track uh, the idea is that um the first verse kind of contextualizes the song sets the scene and then the two choruses. There, there's first chorus after the first verse, and then there's a second chorus later on. Each one of those is a future, and I recorded four different futures. Basically, I was thinking about my um, what I was going to do after the PhD, and you know, I'm sure you guys have gone through that in your head a lot too. And I thought, okay, well, let's just come up with some kind of four very obvious different futures that. Could, that could happen um, I kind of made them into the choruses and then what happens is um, you get to the first chorus, and it picks one of the four and then you're led into the second chorus with the idea that oh actually maybe maybe I haven't decided that maybe I want uh, to change my mind or my mind isn't settled on the first one so it picks one of the other three there so that's a kind of different way it's a kind of more advanced kind of technique that you can use in this kind of record but you couldn't use in a regular record and i suppose that it's that conceptual edge that really kind of makes that track really interesting for me
2: so on the um on the itunes store page online there's um, been one review written already which um...
1: (laughs) i haven't actually read it
2: Oh, okay. Well I'll break it to you then. It, um I'm running out of voice sim setup, I could just have it playing. Anyway, um I would imagine this sort of thing could catch on with other forward thinking artists who are who like to experiment, like the flaming lips or radiohead, but it works well with an unknown artist as well. Good tunes, excellent execution, nice app for any electronic fan. Oh,
0: excellent. <laughs> I'm I'm glad with that with with that review. So is this a, do you envision this as being a platform that might be available to other artists then? Is that something that you're able to facilitate?
1: The, the future of it, I don't know what the future of it is. I mean, this is a very specific uh, in, instance of a, an Open Outcome record. It only works on iOS, and the reason that, for that is because I had limited time that was probably the best platform to write this kind of thing on, considering Android's audio side is not as mature. Um, What I see, where I see it going is I'd really like it to be like, rather than you download an app, you actually download a file like an MP3 and it has all of the material that is necessary inside and it has all of the instructions necessary inside and then you have a, a player which can be on, um any kind of device you know you program up the player to run on any kind of device and then you kind of build your library up just like you would with uh with your mp3 collection in fact i'd kind of like it if if the playing software could be integrated directly into something like itunes because then it'd be a fair a fair level it would be a kind of um, it would be an equal level between the open outcome record and the kind of normal record. Uh, at the moment, there's a barrier that kind of separates them. So that's, that's what I would see a good future being. And then you'd have a certain, a certain kinds of software to make these kinds of records, um, maybe a kind of mix between a DAW and something like Maximus P or PD or something like that, um, where you can put the concept down really easily. Um, it's actually interesting what you said there, Sam, in that review when you read it out, because the flaming lips I actually reference in my um, in my research. And Radiohead, I would see as people who'd be very interested in this because it's something experimental that they could actually do something with. And I'd really love it if a, if a big name came to me and said, hey, like your idea would you like to make an open outcome record for us and i'd be like yeah i think so i think uh, <laughs> i don't think i could turn that down i think it'd be amazing
0: that's awesome stuff then so for anybody who's interested in having a play with futures ep uh, where can they get it from
1: it's available on the ios app store um, you can just type in futures ep into the search and it should come up um, it's iphone only but it will run on an ipad Um, Just in the reduced screen space mode, Uh, but yeah, um, iOS App Store.
0: And uh, how much is it?
1: It is free. Woo! Yay! (laughs) I uh, yeah, I have no reason to charge for it. I'd really like, I'd actually love for as many people as possible to have a listen to it and let me know what they think because um, it's an early experiment. It's not perfect. There'll be some little bugs in it, I'm sure. Um, but I'd love to know what people think and, um, you know, take it further. It'd be amazing.
0: That's cool. And for anybody who's interested in finding out more about yourself, uh, where can they go to find out that, Adam?
1: Um, you can go to my personal website, which is adamyanch.co.uk. Um, also, I've released Futures EP under uh, a kind of uh, another name, which is Refracted. Um, so type in Refracted, but take the E out at the end. Uh, refracted.com. Um, you can see if you're on the YouTube, you can see my little triangle logo there underneath my name. That's the refracted logo. So you'll know when you find it. Um, and it's also in the show notes, so you can go there and hopefully I'll expand that site to have, um, other digital releases, other apps, um, media and that kind of thing.
0: Awesome stuff. So you can see the show notes at the audio podcast.co.uk. Um as I said, this is show number sixty-two. Thank you very much, Adam, for being interviewed. And I gather you're going to uh flip back to your guest presenter mode now as we head yes, into I'm the rest of to,
1: the show. I'm gonna have to change my uh, lower thirds, so you get on with it and I'll uh <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll well do before
2: that. before we jump into the news that we have listed, a um a news item today that i spotted but didn't make it into the notes um because it came up just then is about the android platform there's a new version of android out today i think or is it in the past few days um the Jelly Bean, and apparently that's looking more promising for audio programming stuff 4.1 uh, anyway that's. Um,
0: but you're going to add that to the show notes
2: i will now i'll have to yeah <laughs> i'll add yep i'll add a link to that yep
0: cool well, something let's let's get into the news if that's okay. Something that broke very recently in the last kind of 2 hours or so, so I had to quickly throw it in. Um, but Avid have announced the the sale of um, the M-Audio the M-Audio brand to InMusic. So as we've discussed this a couple of times whether, you know, what the focus of Avid was going to be going forward and this is a this is a, a bit of a confirmation of that. It's, it's not as extreme as we thought because they have actually explicitly confirmed that Mbox, Fast Track, and Pro Tools will remain in-house as Avid products, but they've definitely taken the opportunity to spin off a lot of you know, their more consumer-focused products immediately. So um, it's happened as, we kind of, as we've been suggesting it would happen actually for a while now.
1: So M-Audio is going back to being a, an independent company now.
0: No, it's being sold back to In Music, Who I may get this wrong, but In Music own, if I remember correctly, I think it's Akai Professional and a variety of other kind of names are also owned by In Music. So it's um, so it's not being spun off as a separate company, but it you know it's being sold off to another partner, which I think makes sense for Avid because we've discussed how Avid are you know they have that kind of video production for the very big kind of big tier people is their main bread and butter and the audio, the addition of the audio stuff made sense. But then that kind of very consumer level stuff was possibly a little isolated inside the business there. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, it made sense as part of their old model when they were trying to expand Pro Tools downwards from the Digi001 and Digi002. But I suppose now that you can go and plug any old interface into Pro Tools, it's not as useful for them to have the M-Audio stuff
0: there. They, they have retained the M-Boxes, though, so they're definitely retaining a, a consumer device, you know, at that very bottom level. But I was thinking about this as I was traveling, uh, traveling home today to come to the show, and it dawned on me that there's always going to be room for the M-Box because if you're a professional and you're working with, you've been working for Pro Tools Session, being able to run it on a small thing at home just you know just to do a little bit of work at home is a really useful thing that most you know most people are going to be grateful for not everybody wants to have a full-size rig you know everywhere so there's always going to be room for that kind of professional space item such as you know a reduced stem box even if it's just basically a headphone socket so you can listen back to the session you've been working on as a that's kind of cool. Um, I was trying to remember, but I couldn't... Remi- I, my memory... I can't, remi- I can't remember, and I, couldn't, I didn't have time to research it quickly, but was M-Audio always part of DigiDesign, or did DigiDesign buy M-Audio before they became part of Avid? Yeah,
1: they? they used to be MIDI Man, and they used to make MIDI interfaces. And was it DigiDesign who bought MIDI Man? Well, I think uh, MIDI Man became M-Audio, and then DigiDesign... Oh, uh, well... Avid or DigiDesign bought M-Audio because things like the FireWire 4.10 were actually already audio interfaces before that happened. So they were running there in- independently or as part of another group or something before the buyout by or being bought by DigiDesign.
2: I'm using an M-Audio FireWire audio file to- today, Today, in fact. Ooh.
0: The, the, the 410 would actually qualify as the uh, my worst piece of studio hardware ever, um, which I think the... What, what, I'm trying to think what the other audio... Is it the audio production show? the One of the other podcasts is actually running a poll this week about what the worst piece of studio hardware ever is. And it's, as you mentioned, the 410, I'd just like to mention it in that capacity.
1: I, I used to have one, and yes, I, I found it very confusing because it was wider than half... Half a rack width and taller than one U, only slightly, and it's like, why make it that size? You could put it in. Surely you could make it to fit in a rack, really easily, you know. And and it didn't work. It didn't run very well when I had one. So uh, I th- I think I probably upgraded to. I can't remember what I upgraded to, but it was moving away from uh the
0: four ten. Very cool. So going from one piece of uh, business news about hardware, let's just. Uh... Briefly dropping on one of our favourite s- subjects, that of uh, copyright piracy and all the various things. So, um, the ov- over in America, and I think some of the European ISPs are also involved in this. But the uh, the piracy war has entered what I'd like to refer to as round X because it's just become boring listening to it, where the um, ISP internet service providers are now um, agreeing to a uh, a combination of measures, a formal system now where you'll receive uh, some emails saying that you're using you know your illegally sharing things and eventually they might disconnect you, but nobody's really guaranteed they're going to. Um, CNET have a cool article discussing it. I, I love, as I put in the show notes, I love the use of phrases such as graduated response and mitigation measures. But um, yep. but as, as the article does point out, um, the, the kind of legislation that was expected to exist such as SOPA and PIPA which actually failed to become legislation which means that this kind of new ISP based policy is likely to face a number of challenges and probably not going to last that long but it's nice to see that the
2: ISPs have been preparing this kind of thing and getting it ready expecting SOPA and PIPA to go through but when they didn't They've, well, they've carried on anyway, I guess. Yeah, when, when they talk about the graduated responses, which is, oh, we have been flagged as, um, as maybe doing something a bit dodgy, you might want to watch that, and then they'll tell you again and again, and then they'll ask for confirmation. But at some point, they'll, they kind of switch to, from we suspect that you're doing this to you have to stop pirating without there being any kind of, I don't know, it seems like they kind of like, in the, the way this article's written anyway, it seems like there's a sudden jump from, from the graduated response to mitigation is because there's legitimate uses of p2p of it you, i'll keep you going like, there's legitimate uses of this stuff so yeah
0: that, that's true it doesn't really make any remarks towards how they're going to find out what people are using or what people aren't using and that mitigation is c- can be problematic in there i think I know in the European sphere, there was a whole load of a lot of the arguments, especially in relation to the French legislation in this space, was that cutting people off from their Internet connection is a fairly draconian measure, which has significant impacts on their ability to be part of society now. And hence, you've got to be really careful about disconnecting somebody, especially if you disconnect them and it turns out to be wrong. That could be a fairly serious outcome. You
1: know. Well, it also links to th- to instances where law enforcement have gone in all hot and heavy to a uh, into someone's house to arrest them for doing something dodgy, and then it turns out that they're just completely innocent, but they had their wireless network open or something like that. You know, it's it's such a must be such a difficult thing to kind of think of all the all of the possibilities, and then also kind of links in with that this whole mega upload. Case that's rumbling on, um, which is partially to do with copyright, but also partially probably to do with the fact that the Americans don't like this chap uh, who who used to run it. Um, anyway, I have got nowhere to go from there. I'm I'm
0: uh, nervous that we're we're heading too far off topic, but I just really want to contribute contribute on just one point you made there because this um, open the open Wi-Fi thing is something which I find really depressing because. They're definitely pushing this agenda that you shouldn't have open Wi-Fi at home because it's your fault if somebody does something illegal with your internet connection. However, from the if if you look at it from the other side of it, if everybody had an open wireless connection at home, then we would have u- ubiquitous Wi-Fi covering most of the you know most of the UK, and anywhere you ever were, you would have that data connection available to you, which would actually be incredibly useful. Like you can imagine if you were walking down the street and you pull out your phone rather than having to use the, the data service which is running, at, you know, whatever, being able to go into somebody's Wi-Fi running at 54 meg or something like that, you know, you'd be able to do so much more on that kind of high speed connection and as those connections speed up and up and up. So I, I just want to throw that in there because there's, there's an argument happening there which is being lost at the moment because they're selling this, you'll get into trouble for people using your Wi-Fi when in fact people should be using each other's Wi-Fi because that's a better way to, do, to kind of do things and to share that kind of connectivity and that network bandwidth like that. But th- that has nothing to do with the audio podcast. That's just purely Scott <laughs> ranting on political issues there.
2: And there's an opportunity to return to that a little bit later. Um, shall we, but shall we get some of the audio tech news items yes. through? So TC Helion, Helicon, have um, released firmware updates to their Voice Live 2. So fixes a bunch of bugs, and yeah, I guess that's probably of most interest to anyone who has that piece of hardware, but it's there and available.
0: That's awesome. Sonar um, have released a set of Windows 8 benchmarks. They've had a play with Sonar, well, the Kegwalk team have had a play with Sonar on Windows 8, and they've released benchmarks about it. Um, In summary, it's it's good news. Windows 8 um, outperforms Windows 7 in every kind of bracket in their experience of it. Um, which is Ace. That that's kind of cool. Um, they do point out the fact though that you run these things in desktop mode rather than in the Metro mode, and they don't really have an awful lot of faith that the Metro mode is going to turn out to be very useful. But for audio, for audio, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I I one of the, in the case.
2: one of the best um, features of this article for me was the explanation of what is meant by Metro mode and Windows RT. And all the different new flavors of Windows stuff that is going on and coming along this year. Um, so, if like me, you're not quite sure what any of that's about, check this out.
1: And another great thing about Windows 8 is that Logic doesn't run on it. So, uh, if you don't like Logic, then you know it's probably not a bad idea to go to Windows 8.
0: <laughs> I like that. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Um, talking about other, th- <laughs> t- talking about other things that don't run. Uh, musicians at the Olympics. Not only will they not be running anywhere, but it turns out that they may well be unpaid as well. Um, th- there is a petition online that you can sign to express your disgust at this, which I would strongly encourage everybody who's listening to the show to do so. Um, it. It's just crazy. I I don't know if you've been following this. It's been kind of rumbling on for a while. But apparently, if you're a musician, then it's expected that you will play for free at the Olympic Games because the exposure is, you know, so great like that.
1: You could probably get more exposure by making a big fuss and not playing and actually making, you know, highlighting the fact that you were going to, but you're not going to now because you're not going to get paid. So you could do that. The quietest Olympic Games ever.
2: It'd be a pretty quiet opening ceremony without any music, wouldn't it?
1: I
0: think it'd be quite nice actually. Mm. If if Undersated. there was, if if there was no music there, it would be very quiet, almost grave like. Sam.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> this week, um, uh, was it even? Maybe this should have been in the plunder. What did we? When did we record the last show? I don't know. Um... George Orwell's birthday happened this month and this week I spotted on Audio Boo a a piece of social audio experiment from someone called um Christian Payne or his username is documentally. And apparently they go there, they go to the grave of George Orwell every year to celebrate his birthday and to talk about um technology and the state and would-be big brother stuff going on, and there is two audio boo things that we've I've li- linked to on the audio dot uk um, the first one's just a short introduction and the second one is about 15 minutes of t- chatting to different people who are there and things that come up are in that conversation are um silent circle projects which is encryption for secure communication pgp and they're talking about the state of um the internet in general and privacy there and linking back to what we we're talking about before is everyone a suspect and data monitoring these kind of things as well as and especially on the encryption side i mean people are generally i think at one point they say if you're using google if you're using gmail and facebook then you're basically giving everything away anyway people myself included perhaps i haven't really thought about it that much oh on and off i do i try not to they use the metaphor of a postcard or an envelope. You know, there's some things that if you, if you, in the old mail system, if you wanted to send a message to someone, you might be happy to write it on the back of a postcard and just in the post. But on other occasions, you'd want to put your message inside an envelope and seal it and then post it. So yeah, food for thought.
1: I like to uh, write a postcard and then put it in an envelope and send that. And eh? I say.
0: Something that I uh, sometimes write and put in an envelope is a birthday card. And uh, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to wish Atari a happy 40th birthday!
1: Yay!
0: So uh, <laughs> Atari has made it to 40. Um, obviously, they don't make hardware anymore, and they're actually just a, a name attached to a games production house now. But um, they're a shadow of their former selves, is well, what you mean. In, in, indeed, they are. Um, I found a really, they had a really cool graphic though, which I've linked to off uh, the show notes, which you can go check out. And, um, I, and I was very happy to find a couple. There is a vibrant Atari music scene still in existence. So um, the, the Atari ST, which was, I had an Atari ST and an STE, which um, one of the most remarkable features of it was the MIDI, the MIDI in and MIDI out that you got on the side of them. And, built in, built in. Built in. And I think maybe sometime last year, we actually covered a story where somebody had established that the MIDI in-out on the Atari was one of the most uh, jitter jitter-stable and latency-free MIDI port available on any computer ever, which was pretty cool. Um, well, that's been known
1: for a long time, though. That's been known for a long time.
0: Oh, yeah, but we, we discussed its actual proof. There was a proof of this established. Ah, that's back in the previous show notes. But then the other thing I found, which I was very happy to find, was atarimusic.net, where they actually celebrate the ongoing creation of music on these forgotten computing platforms. So they have Atari, Amiga, and C64 and stuff. So I thought I, that was I have cool. A, I,
1: I have a brief question for you two. I'm just going to precede that with a a funny uh, extra little fact, which isn't really audio, but it's based around MIDI. Um, There was actually a game that you could get for Atari, which you could connect your MIDI ports together. You could make a big ring of computers from the MIDI ports and play this game across the connection. So it was a kind of a data connection so you could play multiplayer. I think it might have been like a Pac-Man game or something what like was that. it?
0: Was it, I think it was MIDI, 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 MIDI Man or something it was called. I used to play that game because you could, you literally, as you said, just plug them together using the MIDI cables as a very basic kind of token network and then run, and run the game around like that. And the cool thing was that it would allow you to have... 16 different people could play one on each channel but the latency between per player one and player 16 was actually huge because of the serial connection <laughs> so you could like run up to player 16 and run around them and shoot them in the back and then run off again and they just wouldn't have a chance so <laughs> it's kind of oh i'll be player one then please um so my question is do you guys
1: have each of you do you have a favorite atari product
2: my first exposure to music sequencing in a computer was with Cubasis on the Atari ST.
1: Yeah. Ah, now you see that line between Cubase and Logic, you know, I I think is really, it was really set by Atari, wasn't it? It was really set between which one you started with notator or Cubasis. Mm. And I started with notator and I still use Logic today, though I wish I didn't. Um, but you're you're obviously a Cubase man, and can I can I put man. a
2: flip and, and childish point that that meant that Steinberg still make Cubase. <laughs> you
1: you know, know, that's, that's, <laughs> fair. that's fair. That's I'd, I'd
0: like to pile in here for a minute and just point out to the world that while Sam is very understated in his uh, Cubase usage, he he knows all the shortcuts. It's pretty impressive to watch him use it. He's like, a and of whiz. course,
1: uh, these are our own personal opinions and not the opinions of the audio podcast. Which doesn't endorse any one particular DAW. We hate them all.
0: Basically, they're all terrorists. equally equally. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, I, Scott, what was your what was your one? Well, I, I'm going to take it in a different direction. I, I had access to an ST and an SD growing up, and I enjoyed them both very much. But um, my favorite Atari product of all time, which I am always reminded of, and I've never had any first hand experience of, but is the I've linked to it is the Atari Stacy, which was designed as a laptop. Um turned out to have less than 30 minutes battery life so they um (laughs) they glued all of the battery compartments shut and just kind of sold it as a kind of more portable version of you know an Atari unit so I put a link to it as well because I I think it's nice that these kind of hardware devices exist in their disastrous state so I'd really Mm. love to have one one day just to see it maybe just to touch it but that would be cool but- I think I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna plumb with my uh, 520 STE which I had. Um, that's nice. a, that's how I'm gonna end it. The really
0: easier easy option. That's true. We we have another birthday as well to celebrate today.
2: And this is ten years of contact Native Instruments celebrating ten years of contact, and they've grown fifty percent off until um, the seventh of July. So that's just this week. This week.
1: Oh yeah, that's a uh, Saturday. Is the seventh? Is it?
0: It's well. I guess I think so.
1: I think Saturday's the 7th.
0: it's a period of time on from now depending on when you're listening to the show or it's a period of time that has now passed if you're listening to the show later.
1: Yes. Such as so, the joys of this. So the, so the joy of 50% sale may be good or maybe not depending on when you listen to this. Now have we got a nam thing going on now with presonus? L-
0: Pre- well personas is yeah well i can i can make a list between
2: between future pasts and past futures and um and video linking and oh uh, cross talk oh and bright and dropouts it's all gone silent i'm gonna keep going I assume you can hear me yes, um can hear you now. Bes- so vid- okay um Presonus live from nam <laughs> That was, a, that was that could have been a good link, but it all kind of went wrong. Um, Scott, what's this about?
0: Well, <laughs> personas are streaming their um their booth kind of presentations and workshops and a whole variety of things going on all, all the way from Nam, um yeah, from Nam even. Um, they're also actually running a giveaway where you can win a free copy of Studio One Professional while if you watch one of their live kind of shows there as well. So um, we put the link to um. The, the link to where you can get the live stream up on the show notes so you can go check it out it has a handy countdown on it as well um and i dare say that we'll probably have a, a audio podcast norm special as well once it's all kind of finished off and we get the highlights of what's going on from there as well so for now it's just a you know check out the persona side and you might well win a copy of studio one which is kind of cool as well yay yay so um, if, you don't want to learn, if you don't want to learn things about Personas products, you might be more interested in learning things about video games and in particular video games audio. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Go on.
2: So uh, this is our um, last news item for today, which is the School of Video Game Audio. So running from the 1st of July to the 30th, 31st of August, so this month and next. Um, this is an online course with stuff... I don't know. I did look at this earlier this week, but I can't actually remember many details about it now. So I'm having to read the page again.
0: So um, it's, um, it, it's using Audio Connects of Vise um, to create a demo reel as the kind of first part of it. Um, it will actually have begun July 1st to August 31st, but you can jump in late, I think. Especially this late you 'll be able to just kind of jump in so it' 's worth, it's worth having have a look. they have a full set of details about what they 're doing, what the expectations are of people joining them of the course, and what you get at the end of the course as well so it struck me as an interest as a nice kind of balance between if you you know if you want to find out a little bit more about this kind of space, but you don 't want to go into a kind of very formal education environment and this might be a nice kind of online route to to go and have a look at as well so
2: Having um, reopened the page because it was quite a few days ago that I read it, um, they have changed the the application form. Front now says that it, for the current course that's running this month, and next is is now closed, but the application is open for the September term. So if you wanted to do this during September and October, then you'd be able to.
0: Awesome stuff. Well, that's cool. Well, we've 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 gone through the gone through the news. We deliberately kept it a little bit tighter because because well. Because we had lots of news and it was handy. Because I'm in a little bit of a rush this evening. So you know what it is? It's time for the plunder. Arr. 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 There's no other section then. The other section Arr. is omitted today due to a lack of other things. It's just I straight have a to quick the thing.
1: Have a look at our little uh, titles. That's a new. That's a new thing for the audio podcast for you uh, YouTube users. Um, it's got our names on. Look, our names and. A little description underneath and a little logo as well. And if you have a
0: look at my logo, it's me looking very scary. Anyway,
1: that's, uh, that's the other news covered. Sorted.
0: <laughs> so our first item of plunder I'm going to take here is um, uh, David Rovix has started a Kickstarter project. Um, he's wanting to raise funds to support him going into the studio to do a larger recording session with kind of a choir and maybe some orchestral elements in there as well. Um, I'm a huge fan of Dave Rovix. We actually played a couple of his tracks um, back in season one when we used to put audio at the end of, uh, end of the show for a bit. Um, I'm a big fan of it. It's a Kickstarter project, which is kind of cool. And if you pledge enough money, you'll actually get a free performance in your own home, which is a cool little benefit. So, you know, go check out Dave Rovix if you haven't checked him out before. Who wants to talk about the loudness wars?
2: Uh, do you take this.
1: Okay, I'll take this. Uh, so, following on from the dynamic range day, uh, C Pro have an in-depth article discussing the ongoing loudness wars, which um, I imagine is referencing um, releases being trying to be louder than each other through such means as limiting, compression, and this kind of thing, but but generally making it harder to listen to music because it's really loud all the time. Um, so wh- what is actually happening here? Because I-, I have not read this article.
0: Well, the, the American um, FCC have uh, introduced something called the CARM Act, which dictates that the average loudness of an advert can be no greater than the average loudness of the show, of the actual content, the show itself. Oh, so
1: this is to do with the, the loudness of an advert in relation to um, a TV show?
0: Well, or the loud, or in terms of everything. So in the radio space, it's the same as well. So your radio, tr- the adverts in a radio track, the adverts on a radio show can't be louder than the track as well. So the idea being to introduce, to reintroduce the idea of dynamic range into into things by relating the loudness of them over time to each other. And the CARM Act is an American piece of legislation which is being largely adopted worldwide now, just mainly because the Americans are the largest consumers of kind of media in this way. Um, which actually legally dictates that relationship and means that you have to have, you know, your, the, the loudness of something is a product of its average amplitude over a length of time. And as a consequence of that, everything, you have to introduce more dynamic range of ways you'll end up with something which is very loud, which gets a very loud kind of score because it's loud all the time sort of thing.
1: So does this have implications for recorded music in general, just like a a CD or, or like an mp3 that I'd download
0: it it could do it, it could get there it, it definitely means that the practice of taking the recorded you know taking the recorded track compressing it completely flat and then remastering it for radio use or for kind of media use is probably going to have to be revisited and adapted now because that kind of practice is no longer going to be going to work in all sorts of all situations cool which cool. is kind of cool an interesting thing I spotted at the very end of the article, though, is that it was discussing that the, the dynamic range of things isn't actually equal across all mediums. And apparently, if you really want to hear a, a dynamic range, a, a, difference, a greater difference, then vinyl is actually the format to go to. And that isn't because of anything intrinsically to do with the format, but apparently they perceive that people who are listening on vinyl are generally going to be more discerning And as a consequence, they actually master to vinyl with a greater dynamic range, which Mm. I thought was an interesting little kind of tidbit to have at the end. Just, you know. People always say, well, vinyl sounds better. And, you know, there's a bit of there's you know, I've always wondered if there's a bit of snobberish about that, but in actual fact, it turns out that vinyl is mastered in a slightly different way and quite often with a greater dynamic range. So that's a kind of Well, I also wonder if it's possible
1: to master a vinyl as loud anyway, cause there are problems with, uh, if, if you put too much level into a vinyl whilst it's actually being cut, it it'll damage the groove or the, the head will jump out of the, of the groove or something. Mm-hmm. So well, that's, I have a limited knowledge of, of, of vinyl myself, but that's something that I read so that there, there, there might be technical reasons from the medium as well. Has the social reasons, but there's a very fascinating interplay between those, as you just said.
0: Definitely so. So, um, Sam, it's over to you. Bleep, bleep.
2: So, bleep. I've um, put on Facebook a timeline that documents electronic music, and it well, it begins pre-electricity. Really, it starts in 18. Or, well, it ends or starts. The earliest date on it, which you could get to eventually if you scroll down for long enough, is 1876. Um, Oh, no, it's not. It's 1857 with the um, phonograph there. And then scrolling up from there, you get through the Edison phonograph and gramophones. And then in more recent times, it focuses not only on technology, but on specific albums, genres and um, albums. Did I say albums? Labels and albums. Anyway. Yes. So, yep, it goes right through. Like, there's, I mean, there's comments on there saying, oh, you've missed this, you've missed that, but... I think it's a great use of the social media technology that facebook have provided with the timeline interface and yeah it's quite an interesting thing to peruse
1: so the uh when you say it's by bleep is that bleep the store of warp Is that the connection or is it something completely different
2: Uh, quite possibly yeah they um quite a lot of the articles in a lot of the items in there say and this tune is available on bleep guide to electronic music which you can buy from this place so yeah
1: i see so do you think that it might be quite um warp heavy when we get into the 90s we've got lots of square pusher and otecker actually i don't know if otecker are a warp thing but uh square pusher were um does Um, does it seem that way to you
2: i certainly did notice warp as i went past but yeah i don't i don't know enough about which artists are on the which albums which I'll, I don't know much enough for which I'll yeah I don't know how heavy it is in that in that sense so yeah
0: if it's offensively heavy you can always take the opportunity to uh to comment on the show notes our show notes at the audio podcast to that effect if or even on their thing if you want to I'm sure they'd be happy yeah. to take other input you know also.
1: yeah if if you leave the com- comments at the audio podcast.co.uk we're sure to read them and we might even respond uh it probably won't go any further
0: than that. <laughs> we do men- we have mentioned comments when people have commented on things. We have mentioned it in the past, you know, so I'd like to I hope we'd continue yep. to mention things. Well, you know, I'd, I'd like to, st- I was, I'd like to say that was really fast and slick, but it, it, according to my counter, we've been running 44 minutes almost. So it's, uh, it's been no faster and no quicker than usual. But, um, but we've
1: had some good banter. Oh, and I think that's that's value added. That's it's that quality banter. A plus for the audio podcast.
2: And we've had Adam Yance in two capacities.
1: Imagine that. Two hats.
0: So don't forget, uh, if you want to check out the show notes, it's at theaudiopodcast.co.uk. You can subscribe to our YouTube feed if if you want to see the show or if you just want to listen to it. Feel free to subscribe to the audio feed as well. We rec- We record the show Mondays at 7 p.m. ish in a Hangout, which should be broadcasted on the YouTube as well. If you want to take part in one of the shows, then we'll send us an email or Twitter or G+, or something like that, and tell us why you want to be on the show, and we will arrange something if we think it would work out. So this has been a episode 62 of The Audio Podcast. Um, I've been Scott Hewitt.
2: I'm Samuel Freeman.
0: And I have been
1: and will continue to be Adam Yanch.